Hey everyone, it's Tali from the Astro Twins and I'm here with Lisa Scheim. How are you doing, Lisa? Good, good to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being on. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Lisa, she's a Denver-based astrologer. You combine modern and traditional astrological approaches uh, to help us all make sense of what underlies our everyday existence. That's great. Um, I know you have a particular focus on timing and the concrete mm -hmm. topics of life. So Lisa provides monthly elections. Best, Those are the best astrological dates and times to do the important things that we know you're all doing out there and um, you do that for the astrology podcast you're also the co-host of the auspicious elections podcast and the co-organizer of the denver astrology group and the past presiding officer of the association for astrological networking and i saw that you also helped to organize uac right mm -hmm. this year one yeah. of the chicago-based conference so you're deep in the astro world which is awesome yeah definitely <laughs> yeah and so you have prepared an amazing topic for us which are annual profections so you know you're this is a hellenistic approach right and um mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit about um, the difference between Hellenistic astrology and the modern day astrology that, you know, maybe you, you get on in newspapers, magazines, or general tropical charts? What's the difference sure. there? Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, Hellenistic astrology was the original Western astrology that was originated about 2000 years ago. And, you know, you could talk about that for a good while um, alone. But the basic difference, I guess, would be um, without oversimplifying, there is a bit more of a focus on um, things, on faded things and not complete free will. There's also a focus more on the concrete areas of life and um, timing, what happens when, that kind of thing, in order to help you plan. Yeah. And so, um, and modern astrology isn't like 180 from that, of course, but there tends to be a bit more focus on like psychological things in a sort of self-help way. So I try to blend both of those to kind of get a, give a well-rounded approach to clients. I think that's great. I mean, you know, there's so much you can obsess about with astrology. There's always another thing to learn. And Hellenistic astrology is not something that I've personally, you know, taken a dive into. So I'm extra excited because any chance that I can learn something new, you know, it, you know, I'd take a lift my nose up from the grindstone is extra exciting. And yeah, I know I'm a very psychological astrologer. So timing and planning is is a big deal to uh, to connect with that. So so tell like how does this technique work of annual profections? Mm -hmm. So um, it's basically a birthday technique. So it's something that runs from one birthday to the next, and it basically just puts a highlight more than usual on one area of your life. It's not to say that the other areas disappear, but that there's just a little bit more of a spotlight on that area or more activity in that area that year. Um, and so this is actually a really great technique I thought to um, introduce to listeners here because it is a Hellenistic timing technique and that can sound kind of um, intimidating to some people, but this is actually the easiest one to grasp and start mm -hmm. using very quickly. And so I think people really enjoy that. Yay. Yeah. You know, I already started doing a little poking around on your site and then everything I'm like, oh my God. 
Time Lords, we'll talk about that. Uh, anyway, there, there are some more complicated timing techniques, but this one's an easier one to pick up. Yeah, cool. So, um, so what are the, you know, the basic things people need to know in order to use this technique? Yeah, well, let me share my screen, I think, um, so I can yes. show visuals so people can, um, you know, this isn't going to be mostly a lecture. I'm actually doing lectures of, um, you know, in the coming year about timing techniques, but this will be just a quick visual for what we're talking about so people can grasp it. Let's see. Yeah, while you're pulling that up, um, you know, she is going to be at a number of astrological conferences. And are you going to be talking about this technique at most of them? Um, I have a lec I have a full lecture on my website about this oh, technique great. that I've done at a past conference. I'll be talking more about um, zodiacal releasing this year. It's more of a complicated Hellenistic timing technique, although a really cool one. I, I was I saw zodiacal releasing. Uh, yeah, I was like, mm, that's been in my head. Like, I love the word zodiacal in and of itself. Uh -huh. But release me? How? I'm 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 gonna come check you out at Norwalk. That's in Seattle. And there's mm -hmm. you're also gonna be at the Great Lakes uh, Astrological Conference in Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. Michigan. And mm -hmm. very exciting. You're on tour this year, being yeah, a Sagittarius Sun, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, all yourself right, well, as well. You take it away here and okay. teach us all. Yay. Okay. So, I mean, the basics are just, I wanted to start here. One sort of prerequisite is just um, if you haven't already been acquainted with whole sign houses um, in terms of your full birth chart, basically, you do need to know your rising sign for this technique. Um, and so if you don't know your rising sign already, just go to astro.com and that's a reliable site that will pull up your information and you just need an accurate birth time. So put in your time, date, place of birth, and it'll give you your whole chart and just pay attention to what your rising sign is. So then when you have that, um, or if you already have that, you go here and basically whatever sign your ascendant degree is in, that in whole sign houses is your entire first house. Mm. And so no matter if it's like say here one degree cancer or 29 degrees cancer, that still means your whole first house is cancer. And so after that, then you go to the next one, and that means your whole um, second house is Leo, and so on. You just keep going around. So there's no intercepted houses. It's just like you start with the ascendant, and whatever that sign is, you just place each of those subsequent signs on each of the houses. So that's the starting point. Um, so even that, if you're, I'm a nine-degree Capricorn rising, it's almost as if my ascendant is set at zero degrees and at zero to 29 degrees is just the first house, Capricorn, mm -hmm. and then it counts around. The Zodiac, mm -hmm. as most of you probably know, goes in a very specific order, always. Goes from Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. And it's always gonna go that way. So whatever you start with, you just take the next sign after that. When you get to the end of the Zodiac with Pisces, you start it over. You keep going with Aries until you wind up at 12, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's just the first thing to know to, to start. And then, um, oh, it's not advancing now. Oh, it's <laughs> not. Okay. <laughs> okay. So sorry. One sec. Um, we were having little technical difficulties. I, we were starting. I, I was. We were talking about the, the um, Jupiter Uranus trine that was happening right before we started talking. So just making it all wonky. Maybe with... a piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, let me pull that up. We always have a, there's always a good transit to blame. So yeah, if you guys, <laughs> this is a good moment if you want to, you know, pause and if you don't have your chart handy or know your ascendant slash rising sign, you, we also have the great um, 
astrolabe, solar fire. We have a little widget on astrostyle.com slash birth chart. So you can also pull it up there if you want and, and just check out what your ascendant is. Yep. All right. Okay. So can you see that slide? Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Okay. So um, this is just how it works. The basics. It starts when you're born. We don't often think of ourselves as zero years old <laughs> as a number, but you know, it does start when you're zero, meaning before your first birthday. So once you're born until your first birthday, you're in a first house perfection year right here, zero first house. And then once you turn one year old, you go into a second house year. And that's how it works. You just keep counting around. Um, so, you know, it might take a moment to initially grasp if you haven't heard of this before, but it's actually a pretty easy counting around. And you can see since there are 12 houses, then it comes back to the first house at age 12 mm. and it keeps going, going around. So you can always use as a shortcut for what perfection year you're in um, 12 as the multiple of the first house. So 0, 12, 24, 36, 48, et cetera. So you can just um, find the nearest 12 as a shortcut for the first house and then you can count either forward or backward to get to what age you are now. So if you're, you know, 13, then you're a second house year. Second house year, exactly, exactly. And um, let me see, will it, no? Or maybe more shift. likely watching this 25, uh, 37 or mm -hmm. you know, exactly yeah <laughs> exactly and so I'll show you that actually real quick on the um, last slide here okay so um, it's you can see all the multiples here well not all oh, the multiples great. don't feel left out if you're like 72 or above um, it just starts the slide starts getting really messy if you keep doing all of the numbers but <laughs> if you need to add or subtract 12 from any of them they're all here so 0 12 24 36 48 Etc. So just keep going out and you can find, um, I wanted to put this visual up just so you can easily find your age and make sure that you're doing it correctly. Um, so, you know, what this, um, what this does is it shows you an area of life that's going to be a focus for you at that time. And most people, unless they're born either in January or in December, like near one of the year, year ends, um, you'll, you'll go through two. So you'll have probably two perfection years at different points this year in 2020. Hmm. Oh, does it start on your birthday then? Starts on your birthday. Ah. So this is a birthday year thing. Right. And so people who are Geminis or Cancers born right in the middle of the year will actually have two. Okay. Got it. Yeah, exactly. And I know we're both born in December. So, you know, it's Pretty easier like if you're born in the, the wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so you'll have, it, it starts at your birthday. So you can think of whatever age you're going to be when 2020 starts. And that's the perfection year you'll be in starting the year. And then whatever age you turn during your birthday um, in 2020, that's the next perfection year you'll be in for that part of 2020. Well, I just turned 11, so uh, I'm in the 12th house, yeah. You're in the 12th house, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, so that's a little visual. Um, should I leave this up or just... Um, yeah, I love it. I think it. it's great, okay. and people are going to be checking that out. I'm, I'm already thinking about how this needs to be screenshotted and like a, how, what a great way to kind of review what was happening at significant points in time, right? Mm -hmm. just, oh, I yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So the gist of it is that each house, um, some people may know this already, some may not, but houses are the areas of life. And therefore, when you highlight a house during a certain perfection year, that means those topics, um, those areas of life that that house governs are going to be more at the forefront of your life during that, that year, that birthday year for you. 
And yeah. so it's good to know because those are topics you know you can expect to come up rather than being surprised by it, for instance. Yeah, do you want to go through the houses and talk about what each year might hold, what 2020 mm -hmm. might hold then? Yeah. Sure, okay. yeah. So I'll start, I'm going to start with like the ring of 24. So 24, for instance, I'm just guessing at who might be listening, you know, or 36, we could do that. But um, so 24 is a first house year. Um, first house year is really focused on you, your identity, your appearance, even um, sometimes since it's a health and body house, the first house is the house that's most individual to who you are as a person. Um, so it can be a time where there's more of a spotlight on you. Um, it can be a time where you're focused more on either um, your body or like how you look and that sounds sometimes a little superficial But it's really not because it's how you're putting yourself out there and that comes from who you think you are at this time And those first impressions and the kind of the way you mm -hmm. brand yourself or yes present it might also be I would imagine a year where you make a big significant uh, Change too, right or like kind of a reinvention do you find of like your identity it can, yeah, because the first house, it's really broad in some ways because it's all about you and that's, that's kind of a broad topic. But yes, it can be like how you put yourself out there, who you think you are, re-envisioning yourself, all of those kind of things that are really focused on. It's actually a year where, to, where it's appropriate to be very focused on yourself. And so that's fine if you are. It's not like a bad thing. Um, and we'll touch on this later, but it comes right after the 12th house year, which is a big, big shift. Yeah. So we can get back to that when we go around the sure, circle. Sure. Yeah. Um, second house here, second house governs income, finances, how you make a living, your possessions as well. So it's like your stuff and how you get stuff. <laughs> and um, so second house years are often very focused on how you make a living, either changing jobs or being focused on asking for a raise um, or managing your money well, even if you don't. If, if your source of money isn't different or your amount of money isn't different, how do you manage your money that you do have? Or going, I really need a couch. I've never had a couch before. Let's get that, you know, um, because that's the possessions part of the second house. 26, the year of adult furniture. Get rid of that. 25. Oh, 25, 25 is yes, adult 25. furniture, yeah. Of course, 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Order yeah, indeed. I can't sit on this futon anymore, okay? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's a time to, you know, and especially if it is that ring, you know, the 20s, I mean, this can come up at any of those second house perfection years, but that one in particular can be like, you know, how am I going to make a living as an adult or how have I been doing that so far and like, am I happy with that or do I need to make a change? Right. Oh, that make, that's such a time. Even I can even see that at 37, a lot of people sort of achieve more mastery in their career. And I'm like, and are like, I need to just like make, I'm, if you're, if you're at a more of an entry level, you start to get really disgruntled around that. Mm -hmm. Something about it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Fascinating. And so then after that, you move into a third house year, and that's so age 26, 38, 50, et cetera. Third house years, um, so the third house governs actually a lot of really disparate things. So it governs siblings, it governs your neighborhood or neighbors, um, it governs often very communicative things, speaking, writing, lecturing, et cetera. It can, it's a very educational house, and that can be either taking in education or often with the third, you're putting it out. So you're, set, you're talking about what you know, for instance. Um, and so third house years at age 26, 38, 50, et cetera, um, can be years where you're either more focused on learning something that year. Um, it can be a time when you're talking a lot more, you're presenting things. 
Um, it can be a time where you're focused on your siblings more for some reason. Um, they're more in your life than usual. I've actually had a couple of those where um, I'm just like talking to my sister way more that year. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so those are some of the third house topics that can come up at that time. I was just kind of looking at how age 38 is often when people have like their north, second north node return. Mm -hmm. and age 50 is the Chiron return, which are both mm -hmm. kind of a time when you're questioning like what's my purpose and me but you know it's not necessarily you know where you're going to go back to a full term you know grad school but more like how can i put that you know use the gifts that i've developed and it might be a, a good time for like taking a workshop or all those third mm -hmm. house short-term learning polishing so yeah exactly really cool to see how it coincides with some of the, the other timing and transits that we yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, there's always, I wanted, did want to put out there, there's always multiple things going on at once astrologically, of course. And so this won't be the only thing that's happening, but it is one, you know, focal thing to know about that's good for sure. Yes. Yeah. So then after that, you move into the fourth house. And so that's going to be age 15, 27, 39, 51, etc. And fourth house years are pretty solidly focused on home and family. Those are pretty core fourth house topics. Uh, I've seen over and over with fourth house years, people either um, buy, the, buy their first home, for instance, or they move, or they're focused on their parents for some reason. Maybe their parents need help if they're older, um, or they're moving out of the house for the first time if they're younger. You know, things that involve where you live, where are you coming from, where is your foundation, and um, yeah, that sort of thing, and, and or family matters. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, for me, <laughs> I'll have to stop saying it. Are you remembering some? I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Back to everyone out there. Are you saying this? I know everyone out there is going, mm-hmm. Oh, right. That happened that year. I mean, this is, you know, how, how useful for knowing the themes of every year. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's why we're doing this. For so when we get around your 2020 age, you will know where to put your focus in case you've been wondering. This is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the fifth house. This is the fifth then. house. Um, so that's going to be age 28, 40, 52, 64, etc. And fifth house, um, so big topics of the fifth house are going to be children, things you do for fun, enjoying yourself. Um, artistic pursuits, if, you, if that's a big part of your life, can go in the fifth house. Um, sexuality goes in the fifth house. So oftentimes there's issues with either, depending on your age, you know, whether it's more like 28 or more like 52, it can be um, on the one hand, am I gonna have children? Do I need to think about starting a family at this point? Um, that can be an issue. And either for 40 year olds, yeah, for sure. It really yeah. is because 40, you know, 28, it, it's actually really interesting seeing how these coincide with some of the other cycles because 28, for instance, that's often the beginning of people's Saturn returns, the first Saturn return, of course. And people start thinking about that. I'm going to, I'm really entering adulthood for sure. Do I want to have kids? Do I want to have a yep. family? You know, and then 40 is like, if I want that and that hasn't happened yet, do it now, you know? And so, yeah, I do see those come up a lot in terms really of thinking about children. Yeah. yeah. A lot of my friends kind of like made 40 that cutoff date there too, mm -hmm. or like literally like, it's like, okay. And had kids at age 40. So it definitely, 
aligns in terms of the the cycles of life as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are fifth house. I mean, children, honestly, is like a huge topic. And once you get older, if you're like 52 or 64, it's often, you know, what's going on with your children at that point, because they're old enough to be doing their own things. And so it can be a focus on connecting with them more or if they're having a hard time in their life or different things like that. So, yeah, I mean, but of course, not everyone has children. So that is a big fifth house topic. But other things can be like if you do creative artistic pursuits of some sort, um, you know, that can be a big year for focusing more on that. Um, And, you know, we shouldn't overlook just that it's a house of fun and pleasure. And, you know, so many of the other houses deal with things we have to do. But the fifth house is often about things we want to do. And so when people are in fifth house years, it's actually pretty appropriate to focus on like, I need more fun in my life. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. I see too, 52 people are just finishing up that exhaustive Chiron return where they're like, oh, my healing gifts must emerge in this, you know, dark night of the soul. And I'm ready to, I know someone who started a band at 52 or set up a Oh, that's cool. (laughs) So really seeing clients who who were around 52, I, I, a lot of people came to us for readings at that very specific age. And the question um, when we were doing readings, I saw like a lot of, you know, that age kind of coming up. And, and, and the question was often about like, what should I do next for myself, for mm-hmm. me? So this is a year for rediscovering your own, what makes you happy and brings you pleasure, right? Yeah, definitely. And that can be overlooked oftentimes when we're dealing with just what we need to do in life. And so those are times to reconnect with like what makes you happy, what brings you pleasure, you know, that it's okay to do things just for fun. Right. Kind of thing. And, you know, conversely, I guess this Capricorn heavy year, please hear that. (laughs) There is that. I mean, I should say also as a sort of counter to that, because I'm just speaking to what some people might need to hear, but some other people might need to hear about the fifth house year, that it can be a focus on, you know, being responsible about how you have fun. Because I've seen that too, you know, in terms of, you know, yeah. So sometimes you need to rein in. And kind of taking on that you know, that mantle of responsibility that, you know, knowing how it impacts everyone around you as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yourself. So, I mean, all of these, obviously it should go without saying, but, you know, in case people aren't aware of how this works, you know, there are more specifics depending on your own birth chart and this, you know, what rules the fifth house and so forth. So yeah, it can go different ways depending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So after that, <laughs> right, time, time <laughs> for tea. the sixth house, <laughs> to our well-being and self-care. Right, exactly. Yeah, so you move into the sixth house. That's going to be um, age 29, 41, 53, et cetera. Um, and so the sixth house has a lot to do with um, your body. It can be um, your physical routines, exercise, you know, nutrition, how you take care of yourself, as you were just mentioning. Um, sixth house can be times when you do have to look out, out for your health because something has come up. It's not always that way. Sometimes it's proactive, sometimes it's reactive. Um, it's also a workhouse, even though it's not your kind of career in big letters. It's more about the work you have to do day to day, whether that's your job, whether that's work around the house, basically all the tasks you have to do. And so sixth house years, it's good to know that that's a focus that year because it can feel a little bit, particularly right after the fifth house. Yeah. (laughs) Right after the fifth house, it's not going to feel as fun. You know, the sixth house is more about like doing what you need to do. 
on a daily basis and adjusting, you know, is that working for me? How do I take care of all my daily responsibilities and tasks? And also how do I take care of my body and my health and things like that? So it's a year to focus on more of those things. Okay. You know, and what I love about the way the, the Zodiac cycles are is that things that you're like, oh God, a sixth house year. You're, by the time you're done with the fifth house year, you're probably really, really ready to, you may be in that sixth house, like, I just want to sit down and produce and get these big ideas done already. I've had all these great things and I'm able to actually start on them. So it can be, mm -hmm. I imagine it may even come as a relief to some people when that time arrives, because then they can actually produce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all counterbalances to each other for sure. Yeah. I agree. Um, the sixth house also has to do with the people you work with. And so that can be coworkers. If you um, sort of work a regular job, if you do have employees, the sixth house does govern employees. And so it's basically like, how do you work with the people you work with? Um, and, you know, do those things need adjustment or are they working well? Sometimes with the sixth house, similar to the second or the 10th, it can also be like, am I happy with my job? Do I need to get a new job? Yeah. yeah. So you may be on the job hunt this year's sixth housers. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so then we get to the seventh house. So age 30, 42, uh, 54, et cetera. Seventh house is big year for relationships. So um, lots of attention and a spotlight more on like, how do, if I have a primary relationship, how is that going? As, do, does that need adjustment? Are we both happy, et cetera? Um, if you're not in a relationship, it's often a time where you're more focused on trying to find one on trying to you know, get out there and meet people. Um, you know, it's interesting with the seventh house year, and you can really go into this a lot more, but, you know, you see age 30 there, for instance. Yeah. Um, so oh, 30, yes, <laughs> 30 intersects with the Saturn return for sure. And so I see at age 30, because it has both of those overlaps, the Saturn return of like, must restructure my life, what am I doing? And age 30 of a seventh house perfection year, it is a big year for marriages and divorces, I've noticed. Ah. Or at 18, when you realize that you have to break up with your high school. Yes. Uh, because really, you know, they, you know, <laughs> got a baseball scholarship and you went to art school. That happened. Right. Exactly. That can happen. Or, you know, for people who weren't as big into dating, it can be their first like serious relationship at age 18, things like that. So, yeah. And then, of course, you can. Serious relationships coming in, right? Yes. Yes. You know, because you're finally an adult and you're off on your own sometimes at that point. And of course, you can see this continuing to go out like 42, right, as the Uranus opposition. So clearly, you know, seventh house year overlapping with that can be like a lot of relationship stuff. Yeah. And a lot of relationships with the Uranus opposition. If you haven't sowed your wild oats, that can be <laughs> at 42. I do see that happen at 42. People yeah. have kind of, you know, maybe married really young or they start to kind of get the wandering eye or get a little <laughs> restless and mm -hmm. often have to go through a process of a very Uranian kind of teenage process, uh, but kind of coming back to like really by the end of it, establishing what they want from a relationship by kind of liberating themselves from restriction. So that yeah. the seventh house can show up all kinds of ways in the way you deal with relationships mm -hmm. in those years, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's just good to know when you get to those points, you know, um, that you're going to be focused on that. Or if you're not and you're partnered, your partner might be bringing up relationship things. So it's just a year to focus on that piece of your life a lot more. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So then after that, age 19, 31, 43, 55, et cetera, is an eighth house year. Um, they're kind of alternating right now. I can see with the fifth and sixth and then the seventh and eighth, some you know, sound immediately more fun than others. The eighth house is usually not as fun. Um, it has to do with um, shared resources. So things, if you are partnered, for instance, like um, shared money with your spouse or something like that. Um, it can be things like taxes, loans, debts, things like that. Things that involve banks, mortgages, for sure. Um, because the eighth house is other people's money. And so it's not just maybe your partner's money, but it can also be in the big picture sense, other people's money, meaning like things involving banks or accountants or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a good year. It sounds funny to me and kind of specific, kind of like really specific, but it's like, this is a year to not screw up your taxes, for instance, right. because there's going to be more focus on it. Um, or, you know, this is a year where I've seen this actually a lot, where if you have a lot of debt, you need to like get on top of that. This mm -hmm. is a year to do that. Um, a year so where you see like, you know, people doing some work on their sexuality as well, or their their shadow or anything eighth house like that. I wonder some some not so much the sexuality, but uh, I have seen the eighth house. the The deeper psychological undercurrents can for sure be an eighth house thing. That's yeah. not really a traditional meaning of the eighth house, but I definitely see it from the modern perspective as well that that does come in. And so, yeah, if you are like interested in going, you know, to counseling, for instance, it's a good year for that because it's a good year of exploring the depths of, you know, deeper feelings that bubble up for you. And that might in fact happen for you more this year. And so it might be a good time to look at that. Perhaps the power balances within these joint relationships, which can mm -hmm. show up as sex, money, all of those types of mm -hmm. things, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, that can come up. And then um, mortality issues come up. So like doing your will, kind of being realistic about like, you know, that we're not here forever, you know, dealing with your parents stuff sometimes if you're older and you need to deal with like their estate, you know, so those are a bunch of eighth house things. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. So, the oh. house. so we, we get more expansive again when we, once we leave the eighth house. We go to the ninth house. So it's going to be age 20, 32, 44, 56, etc. And ninth house years um, are times to kind of expand your horizons for sure. So at age 20, for instance, a lot of people are in college and that can be a time where you are more focused on what you're learning. It's not that you're only going to be focused that one year, of course, but those are years in particular where you want to expand what you know more than usual. Um, you want to learn, you know, maybe new philosophies, new worldviews, um, how do other people understand life, that kind of thing. That all goes in the ninth house. And also the ninth house is a big travel house. So I've for sure seen that people do more long distance travel during that year. Um, yeah, it's, it's often either study or travel, I would say. Oh my God, I wish I was, I wish I was going to be eight this year. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I think I did. I think we actually did take a big Fam, that was my first plane ride, and we went to oh, that's Florida cool. to Disneyland in uh, uh, that year. Yeah, actually, now that you're mentioning that, that might have been mine too. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Mom and Dad, you had no idea that we were <laughs> right. in the perfect sync with perfections, but thanks, thanks. Yeah, Disneyland. exactly. And so it's expanding beyond what you've experienced or what you know already, whether that's mentally, or, you know, through study, um, whether that's physically through actual travel. It can also be cross-cultural things. You don't have to actually either be in university or travel anywhere to meet people who come from other places or who see the world differently than you do. And so it's a great year to focus on that and learn more of what you don't know. 
diversify your social portfolio, people. Mm -hmm. And also, is that also maybe a year where people go back to school or do a little more long-term training as well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people often go back to school during some of these years. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about the 10th house? So the 10th house, the 10th house is going to be career focused. So that's going to be age 21, 33, 45, 57, et cetera. And um, so that's a big career year. And, you know, how that goes for you, again, depends on the specifics of your chart. But it's typically a year where there's a lot of focus on what you're trying to do in the world. That can be your actual work. It can also be things that you're not paid for, but like you're known for in the community, your public roles in life. So how people see you who don't really know who you are. They just kind of know who you are, but they don't actually know you. That's the 10th house. Um, and for sure, your long-term career things come, you know, full focus that year. Um, sometimes pinnacles, depending on the specifics. Yeah, 21 is often like people are wrapping up college at that age, mm -hmm. or that's when your parents officially give you no more excuses if you don't go to university to like stay at right. home. Like that adulthood moment coincides mm -hmm. with how you define yourself through the adult responsibility of careers. So that's mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can go for so many different, you know, situations, even if people aren't in college, like I was getting my hair, I, I talk astrology with my hairstylist and, um, <laughs> always, and, um, so I, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, a while back she was saying, Oh, you know, my coworker here, he's about to graduate from, um, from hair school. And then he's going to be, you know, like full fledged hairstylist. He was about to turn 33. So he had been in this 32 ninth house year of study, which wasn't a full university, but it was still a course of study. Yeah. And then he was about to like, be like, okay, now I can fully launch my career at age 33. And I was like, oh yeah, totally. He's about to go into 10th house year. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's just thriving clearly yeah. because he was timing it right. And it's, 33 is kind of that that year where you do feel a little more like a grown, like you, you're like, I don't want to like people. It's like, thanks for telling me I look like I'm 25, but I really want to be seen as a little more like of a grown up and like, be, you know, you know, uh, perhaps hired in that way. So yeah. Yeah. And it's a bit past your Saturn return, you know, if you are in that 33 range. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of like, okay, I've got this figured out and now what am I really moving towards what am I trying to build in my career building block mm -hmm. building years great mm -hmm. okay and so the 11th house tell so us after that. that age 22 34 46 etc those are all 11th house years and the 11th house has a lot to do with you know whereas you're moving out of the 10th house year which is kind of focusing on you and your own career you move into the 11th house right after that and you're focused on how do i fit into the larger world how do i fit into the larger social sphere and so the 11th house is a lot about um your um colleagues your friends the groups you belong to that can be more formal or informal so it can be like a group of friends you go out to brunch with every month or it can be like a professional organization depending on specifics again of your chart but it's about you know how do you fit into the bigger social picture mm. and some squad goals as well perhaps you know? yeah exactly yeah that's very 11th house so um yeah it's a time to think you know whereas you were thinking more about yourself again in the 10th house typically then you move into the 11th house and it's like you know how do i think about you know me and other people and how we how we do things together and so yeah um i'm trying to think of good examples of that I, but yeah typically people are more focused on like their friendships at that time 
um, you know, either again, proactively or reactively, um, or they're taking a position on a board or something like that. That can be more of a but formal maybe involved in some activism and yes. things mm -hmm. like that as well. I, yeah. I was thinking about how during a, an 11th house year, we did some restructuring of our team at Astro mm. Style and even like, you know, working with people virtually and, mm -hmm. you know, it can also be your, I mean, if you apply it to more, you know, modern day interpretation, it doesn't even have to be people who are in the same city as you. You can be connecting no. over the internet and everything as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I actually see social media a lot in the 11th house. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you're like connecting with lots of different networks of people out there who are not like right there with you. 22-year-olds, 34-year-olds, hey, who mm -hmm. wants to be an Instagram influencer? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then after that, which I think is sort of the, the oddish shift in these annual perfections, but I've definitely watched them, you know, work this way. After the very busy out there social year of the 11th house, you move into the 12th house you know, which is much more about seclusion. And so the 12th house is kind of like you, you kind of, it's like, um, you know, the, the hermit card in Tarot or something like that. You're kind of holding up on your own, like, actually, let me pull back and revisit like my entire life. It's a reflection year. A life review kind of year, huh? It can be, yeah. I mean, it's typically, and I, this is actually one of the reasons I really like knowing perfections and I like other people knowing perfections because I know I would have really liked to known that I was in a 12th house year before I knew what they were because otherwise you can feel it's kind of like a big Saturn transit it can feel a little similar to that you can feel like Talk why do I feel about so this I'm in one of those right okay <laughs> yeah yeah Ooh, and on. of course it's of course <laughs> right I mean I yeah. do want to say it's not going to be the of course, the only thing happening. But typically during 12th house years, people do feel a little bit more pulled back, even if they do still have to maintain things that are more outward in the world. And so it's a good time to take more time than usual for yourself, um, for reflection, for alone time. Um, you know, and sometimes the other things can come up during 12th house years that like make you take alone time. But even if they don't, it's, um, you know, it's in a year to, to pull back pull back your energies, even if you can't do that 100%. Do you, is it a year often where you're sorting out, letting go of some old things, figuring out what, you know, you want to bring into the next round of them all? It can be, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is a very reflective year, and the 12th house can be about endings sometimes, and so it can have an element of that. It's not always about, you know, just endings for people, but can be a reevaluation time of what they do want to bring forward or what they don't. Um, yeah. yeah. I know in modern astrology too, the 12th house often represents your mentors, your spirit guides, your earth angel, like the real, like it may, is that a year when people take on more of a mentoring role sometimes or bring in helpful people? Have you seen that happen? I, I typically see that more in the 11th house, huh. um, you know, in terms of like, you know, dealing with pe other people in the social sphere. I, typically the 12th house I see is a very solitary year, even if you're also doing other things because transits are happening in other areas of your life. But um, yeah, it, it's more of a you time okay, kind of cool. transit. I've and, been saying like, oh, I want more, I need more spaciousness. I need more time. Like my 11th house year last year was filled with so many different things and people listen. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this goes to show with all these things, the cycle that comes after can be a really, can be a relief, you know, whether it's yin or yang or 
here or there, right? They do go back and forth a bit. Yeah. And so it is like you put all your energy out there in the 11th house in a very outward social way, and then you pull it back in the 12th house. And as we were mentioning earlier, that comes right before the first house. And so, you know, you pull back during this 12th house year. And I, I think that's, again, I really like people to know the 12th house in particular, even though all of them are important to know, because oftentimes, otherwise, people feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it, it is actually a time where you probably will be feeling more like pulling back. And that's completely appropriate. It so dropping out of society or, you know, right, right. You need that you need that more reflective, solitary time for that. Mm -hmm. Powerful. And it is, you know, as you mentioned a little bit there, um, I mean, the part that I do see sometimes, depending on the specifics of different people's 12 houses, is um, if you do contemplative practices, you know, meditation, qigong, yoga, like things like that, um, or any more esoteric, it's, it's about the experiential. It's not like religion, per se. It's more like, you know, things you do, again, it's solitary, things you do on your own, but that make you feel connected to larger things, even if you're not connected to people right then. Right. So that can be a good thing to do. All of it. And that, yeah, the grid mm -hmm. and the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some people access that more easily than others. But, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, that can be a good time for that. And that can keep you feeling more connected, even if you're not being as social. Yeah, I wonder if people do tend to join more shamanic circle. Instead of joining a networking group, join a circle, you know? Could <laughs> you be. have to be around people or something, you know, or uh, yeah. something where you don't even have to be. I'm thinking like sound baths and group meditations where you don't have to necessarily extend yeah. yourself socially, perhaps. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, yeah. so this is... So is there another element to this that you wanted to share about it all? Or do you feel like, I mean, you've given us a lot to work with here, which is amazing. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is the basic idea. I mean, it depends on like, um, you know, your level of learning in astrology so far. So this is kind of all you need to know if you're first getting into astrology and maybe, you know, like your sun sign or your moon sign or things like that, but I haven't worked with it a lot. This is already great things to know to bring forward. So say your age um, 26. And so you know that you're going to be 26 starting in the year 2020, and then you're going to turn 27 at some point. So this is already good to know because age 26, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to maybe deal with my siblings more. Maybe this is a good time to go do that one course I was thinking of. That'll be, you know, just like a six month thing. It's a great time to do that. And then you'll know that you're going to move into a uh, fourth house year later in the year and start thinking about, do I need to move later this year? Or um, what do I need to do about my home life? You know, it's good planning, even if this is all you know. So I do want to put that out first for people yeah. who might just know a little bit astrologically. This is um, planning. This is, an, I'm, this is the screenshot planning tool. And you just have to read up on the houses a bit more to deepen your understanding of what may be happening. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, there is of course, more you can do if you do know more specifics. So I would say for intermediate level, if you watch your transits, for instance, if you already know your birth chart and you already watch like say, you know, Venus going through your houses or things like that, um, then the next good thing to do with this is using these whole sign houses um, and do be sure to do that or else you won't get the right ruler here that I'm about to talk about. Then you need to see what is the traditional ruler of the sign that it's come to. So say we have like um, 
well, let's see, do we want to use yours? So say we get, so what do you use, um, oh, unless you don't use yours publicly? Oh, I don't mind. Yeah, I'm happy to share my chart, actually. I know a lot of astrologers aren't, but I don't know. Uh, Capricorn, yeah. Capricorn rising. You're Capricorn rising. Okay. So say um, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries. So say um, you were in a fourth house year. You're not, but um, <laughs> say that you were. Um, so we would. I was. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we would say Capricorn is first house and whole sign. Aquarius is second house. Pisces is third house, and then Aries is fourth house. And what traditionally rules Aries is Mars. And so that year transits to or from the ruler of the perfected house are going to become more important than usually. And so you can watch all your transits and they'll all still matter, but these should stick out a little more and also should be more important for you that year. And so if you want to really focus, because sometimes I know when people are first getting into astrology, it sounds like a lot is going on and it's a lot to watch. And so this is a really good way to narrow down what's particularly important to watch in your transits. Ah, so since I'm having a 12th house year, it's, mm -hmm. uh, and Sagittarius is up there mm -hmm. in my 12th house. So I'm watching Jupiter. Jupiter. Yes. And so that would well, be you've got Jupiter in the game for the 12th house. That, that might that is actually really nice. Bit, right? <laughs> oh, that helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm having fun. <laughs> like the starstruck videos. Like I'm I'm feeling social, but also needing more alone time. So that could be that, you know, that for does it sure. interplay like that for those who are listening for more intermediate levels. Like Yes, yes, for sure. And that alters things significantly. And this is where again the full birth chart comes in. Um yeah, so for you, you'd be watching transits to or from Jupiter. So in terms of from, just watch transiting Jupiter for your whole birthday year and see what happens when it uh, for instance, conjoins other natal planets in your chart, because that'll be a more more important transit for you. And then well, similarly, Jupiter return and it's crossing oh, the North perfect. Node, so this should that's be a perfect. really cool year. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really lovely lineup that you have there, because um, yeah. So with G that would be both. That would be transits from Jupiter, and it would also be a transit to your natal Jupiter. So you, that's the second thing you watch, is transits to your natal Jupiter. So yeah, you, you actually have a really oh, nice setup for your 12th house year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, universe, because, <laughs> you know, I could use one of those years. Well, who can't, right? This yeah. is, for those of you who are just getting into astrology, by the way, this is how the obsession begins, right? I mean, didn't it? Sure. So like, all of a sudden, you start to like, connect the dots and then you oh there's this and there and that and oh mm -hmm. my god you know yeah there's always more to learn for sure it's pretty fascinating that way do you do a reading you know do you do one-on-one -on -one readings at all for people or or sessions if they want to find you know map out a more mm -hmm. complex perfection chart with you yeah, for sure. I do consultations. It's just at my website, lisashime.com. And I use perfections. I use other timing tools like Zodiac releasing. And then I use like eclipses, transits, things like that. There, I'm, I'm going to be getting a reading from you. That'll be my birthday present for myself because I, I want to know about these more, the zodiacal release and everything, you know, it's, it's yeah, just be happy uh, to. exciting to learn a new view of astrology. And Hellenistic mm -hmm. astrology, does it it takes into account, it doesn't take into account anything past Saturn, right? Uranus, or Uranus, um, you know, involved in yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, because they weren't, they weren't known then. So yeah, it is a whole system that doesn't require those three outer planets. And 
you can see the timing tools just use all of the seven traditional planets. Okay. Um, I personally do blend some of the Hellenistic and some of the modern stuff. So I do, do cool. put in the outer planets, but I just don't use them as house sign rulers. I see. Okay. Right. But I, I don't leave them out because they're important too. So whatever plant, whatever sign is on the house cusp, um, you know, it, or is not even the house cusp, we're doing whole sign. So whatever mm -hmm. zodiac sign is in that house, you look at the ruling planet of it and that's what you want to watch this year. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And just to put that out there. Yeah. So that's the next step, you know, past just what the house themes are. And just to put it out there, I know some people do know perfections. They're becoming more popular lately to use, at least in the astrological community. Um, but I think publicly, it's nice to put this out there because I don't think it's filtered down too much yet. Um, so, but just to let people know, it can get more advanced than that. So um, there are other things you can do with this. Um, just if you're interested in learning further, you can perfect from different houses, the same wow. number of houses. Um, you also um, wanna look, if you do know how to look at this already, whatever your, um, whatever's in, what, sorry, whatever's ruling the perfected house, wherever it's placed, it kind of activates that whole configuration that year. So like the fact that Jupiter is in your 12th house, for instance, and then it's going to be ruling another house. So it kind of activates that whole complex oh, of things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah and okay. for you, that would be what, ninth house? Prop yeah. Oh, okay. for my, my solar yeah. needle chart? Oh, no, that wouldn't be right. Sorry. That would be Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. Yeah, third house. Only on the cusp of my 12th and my, oh, okay. Maybe I'm going a little, not using the needle. So, oh, so yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but I kind of alluded to it just now. You do want to use the traditional rulerships for Scorpio, Aquarius, and Pisces. Yeah, why don't we and go, so that, just do a quick list yeah. of, of what every zodiac. So if you have Aries, whatever house, if you have Aries mm -hmm. on the cusp of your perfected house, is that the mm -hmm. way you say yes. it? Um, then it's Mars, right? Yeah. So you're going to watch Mars transits and look at where Mars is placed for you that year. Um, yeah. So with Taurus, you're going to be looking at Venus as your ruler for the year for where it's placed and where it's transiting. Um, for Gemini, Mercury is going to be big that year. So the Mercury retrogrades, for instance, will probably be more important for you that year than usual. Um, for Cancer, it's the moon. So then you can watch transits to the moon. You don't really want to watch transits from the moon because that's like pretty constant. <laughs> it's gonna be days of like, oh, right yeah, now. exactly. It's Might pretty be a constant moon year, but still. <laughs> so with the moon, you actually want to watch transits to your natal moon and then eclipses. It's basically activates the lunations more, and you can watch all of the lunations if you want, like the full moons and the new moons. But typically, it just means. Transits to your natal moon and eclipses will be more important that year. Yeah. Um, and then same, kind of same with Leo, actually. The next one, Leo is ruled by the sun. So you want to look at transits to your natal sun and then eclipses again because the sun is an integral part of the lunations. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's see, Leo, Virgo. Virgo is another Mercury year. Uh -huh. So you want to watch transits to from Mercury. That can be more busy, more mental kind of year. Um, and then Libra is uh, another Venus here. So you're going to be watching transits to or from natal Venus. Um, and then Scorpio, this is where we get to, you know, the distinction where you want to watch the traditional ruler. So Scorpio is traditionally ruled by Mars. And so transits to your natal Mars or transits from Mars are more important. 
then Sagittarius you is don't Jupiter. Don't really pay attention to Pluto at all. Oh boy, there's a siren in the. Uh, <laughs> I heard right it. Time for for Scorpio. They're like, give me it's my true. Pluto back. I want Pluto. <laughs> yeah. So with this timing technique, it is a Hellenistic timing technique. It was developed with a specific rulership scheme. So um, you don't really want, it'll, it'll work if you use Mars. I'm not sure it'll work if you use Pluto, it just because they were, everyone. Yeah, they were developed in conjunctions. So, <laughs> yeah. So watch the transits tour from Mars that year. Um, Sagittarius, of course, is Jupiter. So you want to watch transits tour from Jupiter like you have this year. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, Capricorn is Saturn. So that's going to be transits tour from your Saturn. Aquarius, again, is Saturn. Traditionally, is, um, Saturn rules both of those signs. So tr you're going to be watching Saturn kind of two years in a row, which people can often notice. It's, you know, it feels uh, yeah, like more of a serious so time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, Pisces. Pisces is traditionally ruled by Jupiter in addition to Sagittarius. And so that's another year where you watch the Jupiter transits. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, my, my natal Jupiter is at 11 degrees, 11 minutes in the first house. And I always see 11, 11. I even have it tattooed on my arm. So I'm going to be watching. I'm also going to be watching what's, you know, aspecting that, what's hitting that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, your Jupiter return should be sort of doubly important this year because of that. Wow, I, it's in January, mid-third week, I think, of Jan. Well, there's probably a couple of them I have to check, you know, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, ooh, I'm excited for 2020, a little nervous, <laughs> but also excited, aren't we all? Um, yeah, well, this is amazing, Lisa. Thank you so much. Um, is there any, are there any last things you want to make sure that people know? I mean, how can they learn more? On your website, I saw that you actually have a class about this very affordably priced. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I have a full lecture on it with like example charts and things like that. It'll go into some of the things we've discussed, but then seeing it in action and with more It's really helpful when you can see it, like when you can see a chart being pointed to. I mean, in our mm -hmm. Starstruck, we're just, we're giving everyone a taste of it and just talking broader topics, but I right. think your site is, you know, and you'll be able to see all the URLs below where the video is to find you. But like, you know, you're a great teacher. And I think um, seeing the, if you, this is intriguing to you guys, definitely hop on her site and, and watch the full one and, and get it, you know, it'll click much more than, um, but uh, this is super clear to me. And I, I just, this wheel is gold right here that we yeah. have you know? <laughs> so, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to um, just ask you one last thing, which is to tell us more about where, I know you have some podcasts. Where can we, where can we find you uh, to learn more besides your website? Yeah. So of course my website, lisashime.com. Um, I do the um, the electional podcast for the astrology podcast. If you listen to the forecasts, you'll hear the elect the featured election for the month, and I'm the one that picks that out. Um, and then Chris Brennan and I do the auspicious elections forecast on that site as well. Um, where if you are a subscriber at the five dollar tier or higher, you get access to a full podcast where we talk about the best dates and times that whole month um, to start important things or to take action on things that you want to go well. Um, so I do those. We're actually going to cool. put out, since it's at the end of the year here, we are hopefully going to be putting out by the end of the year. So by the time people are watching this, another, a year ahead of a report for elections. So you can know 
well ahead of time if you want to plan important things that are further down the road during your 2020 year, but not just in January. Um, then we put out the best date and time each month to do important things for the whole year. Which is what electional astrology. We're not talking about yes. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala right. Harris, although we are, you know, and 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 I wish everyone in the election would have a little electional astrology report for their campaigns, you know, that would be smart. But you know, how do you electional astrology is like is it mostly the starting point of things, right? The inception yeah. or is it? Yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. It's just like every person has a birth chart because that's when you began to be a separate person. Um, and so buildings have, you know, charts and, you know, when they first broke ground or, you know, um, business having, businesses have incorporation charts. And so anything that starts something as an entity has a birth chart. And so that's what electional astrology is, is kind of starting things off on the best foot um, for things to go better. And if hopefully. people are looking for like a very specific date for things like weddings or starting a business, I see that you also help people so they can do a con consultation with you on that too, right? You'll I, I, I do currently, although the wait list is getting kind of long because people <laughs> come to know that I do that. So um, I, I am still doing a little bit of that, but it may take a while. So it's better for dates that are kind of further out. Listen to the podcast, guys. I hope that means you're yeah. having a fifth house year and that you're going to raise your rates or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. A second house. Second house year, right? yeah. That would be more yeah. likely. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are the, some of the things I do. And then of course, um, if you want to see any lectures locally, I'll be doing quite a lot of lecturing this year. Yes. And that's all on your site. Yeah. All right. Any last little tidbits for, for everyone here? Or? Um, these are just, uh, I'm trying to think if there's some additional tidbit. Uh, okay. These are just really interesting. I, I guess actually there is one additional tidbit, which is these can be either more obvious in some years like actual events or there can be more just like day-to-day -day things that you might not think back to 10 years later but still were kind of important at the time so like i mentioned in my third house years a couple of them i was just talking with my sister way more than usual that year mm -hmm. and you know one of the times was because she told me two weeks maybe two weeks after my birthday, she's like, I'm going to get married this year. And so we had a reason to be talking all year. Nice. So, you know, sometimes it's things like that. Um, and sometimes it's just more subtle. Like I got really into genealogy um, during the fourth house year, for instance. Oh. So it's not so much, you know, I don't want people to worry, in other words, because sometimes it's just like what you're personally focused on at the time. And there can be events associated with it. But that's more apt if transits are kind of triggering it and if there are no major transits triggering at the year it could be a little bit more in the background than otherwise but if there's actually something you know connecting to the where the mm -hmm. planet placement is you may seem and that could be for for good too so it could oh be yeah like, definitely like i'm looking forward to extra looking forward to my jupiter return now and see mm -hmm. what you know I'm, you know, what can I let go of to create more time for myself? You know, right. every the, astrologer's dilemma out there, right? When you <laughs> Well, and the other tidbit about that is look back 12 years. Any, any perfection year that you're in right now, if you're listening to this, look back 12 years, or if you're old enough, 24 years, and see if you remember similar things coming up or things coming up around that topic or one of those topics that year. Because you should be able to see some similarities since it's a 12-year repetition, even though some of the specifics will be different because the transits will be different. 
Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, that's how we kind of do predictive astrology anyways, as we were looking at the transits in our 2020 book that we wrote and that everybody who's watching this will be getting a PDF of too. So as a little mm -hmm. bonus, um, there is, you know, you'll, you'll see, I mean, as Jupiter and Pluto conjunct and, you know, there's just such a pattern. So it, this is, this applies to your, your life to everybody and um, take it as a fascinating study. Now we never, no one knows exactly what's going to happen. And each of these has a great, each of these houses is filled with opportunity as well. So sometimes mm -hmm. when you, even when you let go of things, it's for the best because that makes a space for something new to come in. And Definitely. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, great to talk to you too. Happy 2020. Thank you. You as well. I'm excited. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>